We believe you have a story to share. For 2,000 years, humankind has believed in the power of story. In healthcare, we're finding ways to better heal those who are in front of us. Join us as we explore healing stories now. So, Sister Rock, I want to thank you for being here today and taking the time as oh, we welcome. think about this moment of healthcare and the changes that have gone on and you being one of our first to discuss with us healing stories and how that has impacted you and what are the things that uh, you have to discuss today is important to all of our coworkers at Mercy. So thank you, Sister Rock, for being here. Well, you're welcome. You're welcome. And I hope it's of some value. I, we'll see how it goes. Is there a healing story that you have thought uh, impacted you in your time as a Sister of Mercy um, that you would like to share with our coworkers? I'd say there are quite a few, um, and thinking about that, um, you're stressing the word healing versus cure. Mm. One of the greatest, I would say, for even within the Sisters of Mercy ourselves, <clears throat> is the acceptance that um, chemical dependency or um, a challenge to one's uh, peace of soul is that these women were open to and um, willing to enter into whatever the program was that would help them uh, become whole. They did not find that easy, uh, but they embraced it. And by virtue of that, they became a much more free woman, a whole woman. And also that within our own ministries over the years, we have looked at and seen that it's not the cure, it's the healing. And many of that is what we thought in the past were chronic illnesses, and they're not. But also that even for women and men and children who have had quote-unquote a disease, and they may have been cured of it or uh, a cancer, it's what, go, what they go through that they become a whole person. Uh, they become more rich and, and come to know who they are and how important they are to other people. And through that, they come to know God. Mm -hmm. So the healing is its not just a story. It's an ongoing life mm -hmm. that continue to grow in wholeness. Mm -hmm. And we don't do that ourselves. We have to be open to that gift. But um, I think one of the most enriching thing for me, as I said, not the most, but to see the women uh, who over the years were struggling with what would be a chronic illness, something they didn't want to talk about, and that they were open to do it and how in the smaller towns and places they helped other people. Mm. And this aspect of smaller towns is a big piece of who we are as Mercy, isn't it? It was this kind of moment of a community coming together and discuss, well, what are the things that are happening that give healing? Uh, what are the people uh, who people would gravitate to? Was there anyone in your time who you just said, this is a person who, who people feel is a healer? Like, I don't know if they would have said there's a, it's a healer, but there have been women within our community that the sisters, uh, over the years, um, they weren't close friends, but they felt they could trust the person. They could share with her um, what was happening or with him. Uh, and then they were set free then to relate more better with others, like experiences I've had and others have had. When an individual can open up with whatever it is, or is challenged to open up to whatever it is, and they can let it go, they're free. And then the rest with whom they live, be it a family, 
or a community, and even when it's a whole group of people that address it, there's greater peace and wholeness. Yeah. And it at easiness with one another. This relational peace, right. the easiness of being with someone, right. how we teach healthcare providers to know that that's a way for healing. Right. Uh, and, how do you do uh, that? You only can do that. You, and when you are that or you become that, you become a, a minister of healing yourself and a, a permeating presence. And in this day and age of efficiency, of fast moving products within healthcare, how could we have conversations about spending time, of having healing be a place that is relational when we know that it is quite a challenge with the amount of uh, encounters that have to happen over a very short amount of time? How do, how do people deal with that as coworkers when they're trying to move fast, when they're, maybe they're a little anxious about coming to work? Uh, what would be things that you would tell them? Well, I, number one, if you're anxious about coming to work, you have to look at that and say, am I overworked? Am I tired? Is there something within me? Or is it the work? Uh, there are two different ways to address that. And to, uh, <clears throat> I would say, you know, if, if I'm overtired, I'm stressed at home or wherever it is, I dread going to work because I'm going to be in the same kind of environment or else I just, I just don't have the energy to do it today and I'm forcing myself to do it. So that puts that person ill at ease, plus those with whom they serve. This mercy, inner calmness that you're talking it's about. It's within yourself. Within. And, yeah. and aren't there ways that you have learned over your life to help teach that? Are there things that you have done that have helped you with this disposition of inner calmness? I think that uh, we have a, a phrase in um, the Sisters of Mercy talking about us is that... Um, the grace comes to you at the time, the grace of office. So mm -hmm. if you're in leadership at something, if you're attentive and you're open to it, that grace is there. Now, myself personally, I've been in many situations in the hospital and elsewhere <clears throat> where you, you're grabbed in the gut, mm -hmm. you have to do something, but you know that is that in your role of service, you have to maintain a calmness and sometimes a, a firmness to say this is not how we do it, or that's how we go. You have to, and inside you may not feel that way, but you have to be strong, firm, and and uh, non-aggressive at the same time in the midst of, of chaos, yeah. or if, if that's the right word to use. And then you, 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 there's a gift that comes if you're in leadership or whatever role you have for the most part. Um, if you're attentive to the moment or to what's going on, the, you can be calm. It depends upon your personality also. Mm -hmm. uh, but um, one of the gifts I think that people within the health ministry have is to do that. In Africa, there's a term, uh, when they're asked the person, why did God make you? Their answer is God thought you'd enjoy being who you are. Mm -hmm. So I think when you're called to do something or to fill a role, God called you to do that, and the grace is there. We're never going to do it perfectly. And when you don't, uh, you apologize if that's needed. But um, and it, it's to be very present where it is. And I, my own experience is when the, an issue comes that calls for you to be calm, you will be, mm. if you're grounded. What do you think God is calling us to at Mercy in this moment? God's calling us to be faithful to what it means to be mercy, to be women and men of compassion, and that's not pitter-pat of the heart. 
Compassion is entering into the moment, being very present to the situation. It sounds this story of your sister is really a healing story. And oh, yes. she is, could you talk a little bit about her and about that time and oh, what yeah, she, she went through? She was my our youngest sister, <clears throat> and um, she wanted to live. Her um, children were just getting old enough, and they were married. She, her, one of her first grandchildren was coming. Um, very, very fine, a vibrant woman, just full of life, an athletic person, and um, just uh, and she found it very hard, but she never lost her spirit and her joy, and um, a sense of her humor. She was a vice president of Penny's store at their office in St. Louis, and she was getting chemotherapy, and she told, not just me, told us she was driving home from downtown to where she lived in Florissant. And with the chemo, her head was, her hair and everything, her head, it was just itching, so she tore her wig off and she just started yanging her hair out, throwing it out the window, and she said, I bet everybody thought she's had a rough hair that day, you know. <laughs> but that's how she was. Maybe four or five days before she died, I'll share this, um, went in her room and she said, um, you know, Rock, I'm feeling better. I think I'm going to ask for some more therapy. And... I said, Clara, it's not going to do any good. And she said, well, I'll take that idea out of my head and put it over here. <laughs> and she pointed to the side of the bed, and then the doctor walked in, and she said the same thing to him. And he said, no, Clara. She said, I accept that. And she said, just, a, just loved life. Uh, bubbling personality, yeah. So It's beautiful to hear about acceptance. And she did. And a part of our stories of healing have a lot to do with how we accept things. Mm -hmm. Has there been times in your own life as an executive, as a sister, where acceptance was part of what healed you? Being in uh, leadership quite a bit, um, you're called to uh, make significant decisions, and many times they should have been made earlier. Stewing over it ahead of time, worrying about it, praying about it and then going and addressing the issue. Uh, they didn't always go smoothly, yeah. and nor was the end result of the relationship what you would like it to be. But what for me was helping is when I, I knew in my heart that um, on behalf of the community, wherever it was, it, was, it had to be done, mm -hmm. and did it if in the most gracious but very truthful way and then uh, knowing that there was still hurt and pain but knowing inside that it, what was done was right mm -hmm. and then would help was always to be gracious back to the group or the people and eventually I think there was healing but um, mm -hmm. it, it was not always easy all of us are called if we, whether you're in leadership or an individual situation a spouse or something those situations come and if we're going to know peace, we have to prepare well for it and be honest with it, ask for forgiveness if that's needed. And then we have to leave it in, in the hands of God. And we, and we still may feel the pain, but we know if we've done what we were supposed to do. And there is a peace there, and that's compassion also. Does spiritual healing play as significant a role as physical healing? Well, oh, I think it's maybe more important 
more significant. Um, many a time there, there is, there is no physical healing, but when you accept that and you know this is with journey, someone journeying with you, particularly if you are a person of any faith, that I am in God's hands, and so in in the in healthcare healing, that the environment that we should prepare or should have there is one where the person can be very open, free, and with the family. The difficult today today is that they're not in that long. So how do we create an environment where they're free and they can speak? But we journey also with the family. I think within our health ministry now, what we're doing with uh, um, following up virtually with the patients in the, uh, within the doctor's office, most of our care now is virtual or talking to them over the phone. But our environment has to be such that a patient can say, feel safe, know they are safe, they're getting good care, and they can be as honest as they can. We, don't put, we can't put up with uh, behavior that isn't appropriate. But then what we have to do now is also nurture our own women and men who serve uh, uh, so that they know through their preparation and how they work that this is what we do in our ministry. You just don't learn the procedures. And that has to come back very much to the leaders and that part of our orientation says this is who we are and this is the environment. And so that creates, a, 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 I would say, a communal sense of compassion. Really, it creates a sense of community. Mm -hmm. That the people in a unit or a department, you are a community. You agreed to come and you're, you buy, commit to one another that you'll be faithful to what we're about. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's uh, and the trouble is today, the patients are in out so fast Think we have to do a lot more with nurturing our co-workers mm -hmm. and probably as you are talking about community then is one of the tenants to providing what mercy Healthcare looks like oh yeah creating that community because is, we are a community we are a community and is there a spirituality in that as well is there a spirituality of community of trying to tell and, and help people to see that this is how we are going to be compassionate is through this type of spirituality if I'm someone and I just I don't feel I know how to pray. I don't know if I understand this spirituality thing. What would you say to someone? I wouldn't worry about uh, what the spirituality, what your definition is. I would say a person's spirituality is what is your guiding star? What calls you forward? What gives you meaning in life? What gives you strength? Um, so spirituality to me is how do you envision life and why we're here and what we're about? And then how do I live in that truthfully? Or faithfully. You've always been someone, Sister Rock, that has lived faithfully well, and in the truth. All three of us have. At least we you try. Know, we try. We, to we do, do it, our yeah. best. Is there. And we uh, fall down. We do. We try and pick ourselves up. In this moment, are you aware of God's presence and what God looks like to you uh, more than ever? I think people would really benefit from how you see God. For me, God is, is a person, but God is the source of life and energy and it dwells in you and dwells in me that's how we live God is life now how God looks I think about Jesus because I don't know what God looks like uh, but the enfleshment of God is would be Jesus and my envisioning of Jesus is um, a gentleman a man he's got long hair um, strong walked 
and was very much like anyone else, looked just like anyone else at that time. But from him, um, there's a source of energy and deep peace and joy in his face. But for me, uh, God is life. And yet, yet God is, well, is, is a person, but God is not enfleshed for me. Jesus is the enfleshment of God. So when I think of God, it's the source of life. God's in you, God's in me, God's everywhere. We breathe God. Huh. Yeah. This breath is such an important piece. I mean, mm -hmm. teaching people to breathe in our health system and how that builds community. And when you no longer breathe, you're with breath. You are with God, who mm -hmm. is life. Mm -hmm. yeah, so, uh, is there something about that of what you think the next life will be like? anything of how you see it. That's interesting. Uh, I frequently think that it will all be there immediately, but our bodies won't be there. So to me, it's, um, I still envision people, but it's uh, a place of um, utter joy, a sense of fullness of life, however life is unfleshed. And that, you know, uh, everyone who's gone ahead of me, I'll know. We'll all be there, but don't ask me what we're going to look like because the body is not going to be there yet, <laughs> at least in my mind. What we wanted to do is develop another way that people could engage in the healing stories. And this is the first podcast is one of those ways. That's lovely. Yeah, and, and Sister Shab was one of the ones who did the written ones. And we have physicians and frontline staff and coworkers who are all writing these stories throughout the ministry as another way to have miracle and healing and power add to the conversation of healthcare. Oh, that's lovely. This is Martin Schreiber, your host for Healing Stories. We thank Sister Rock for taking the time to be with us as we explore the ways of a healing story in her own personal life, as well as what she sees as mercy of the future. Join us next time for our Healing Stories. Oh.